please choose all panelists and attendees in the chat uh, uh, column. Morning, Brennan. Good morning, Jeff. I think we're now going to be streaming on Facebook. So those of you who wish to pref or prefer to use that, please do go there. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Vincent. How are you? Hi, Julie. Good morning, Izem. How are you? Nice to see that you're here. Morning, Judy. I'm going to ask uh, John Pfeiffer to send you a message to give you clarity on how Randy can log in. Morning, Donna. Good morning, Sarah. I think you've got it now. Special welcome to Aaron Hill, who's going to do the music today. Morning, Robin. Morning, Abby and John. Good morning, Suzanne. <clears throat> Hi, Peter. Uh, Peter can't get the video. I wonder if uh, someone can send him a message on how he can get in. Morning, Roberta. Ah, Trish is having some trouble getting in as well. So uh, uh, one more task for some help, please. Good morning, Naomi. Trish, I hope the problem's resolved. <clears throat> morning, Adam.
Morning, John. <clears throat> Welcome to everybody. It's a glorious day outdoors and very quiet in the neighborhood where I live. So it's wonderful. I have a complete view of the street from my study and it is looking gorgeous. It's great to be alive. Morning, Bethann. Morning, Josh. Morning, Hunter and Merka. Okay, I think we are getting ready to start. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I'm Rajesh Vidyasaga and my pronouns are he, him, his, and I am so glad that you are here this morning. As we gather in new ways, it is good to be together. Welcome to all our visitors from near and far. I hope you're going to say hello in the chat and that you might send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas at M-A-C-E-O-T at ethicalsociety.org. You can also fill out a connection form. Maceo will put that link in the chat at the bottom of your screen. And we hope you join us after the platform uh, service in our Zoom coffee hour for a chance to say hello. Our chat will stay open through much of the platform service, closing for the address itself and the new member ceremony, and then reopening. If you do not want to see the chat, this is a good time to minimize it on your device by clicking on the red dot on the upper left-hand side of the chat box clicking on the chat icon at the bottom or top of your screen, or even just putting a post-it note over your screen where the chat is, low-tech sometimes works best. And now, in keeping with our summer theme of collaborators and co-conspirators, I invite Randy Thomas, uh, sorry, Randy Myers, excuse me, uh, to read our statement of purpose. Randy is a member of the Community Relations Committee. Uh, he's one of the principal architects of our Community Relations Pact. As you may have read in the recent blog that the CRC posted, he and the committee are working hard to develop communications training for us at WES. And I want to thank them for all the good work that they do uh, to make this happen. Randy, the floor is yours. Thank you, Rajesh. Thank you for this opportunity to read the statement of purpose. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thanks, Randy. If you have a candle at home, I invite you to light it now as I share our candle lighting words. 
may we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Each week, we ring this chime in solidar solidarity with people around the world. Today, I'm particularly mindful of the shooting of Jacob Blake, the safety of protesters uh, around the country, and the victims of Hurricane Laura. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection with each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. Now let us go into our period of a brief meditation. Make yourselves comfortable wherever you're seated, plant your feet on the ground if you want to, close your eyes or soften your gaze. And let's start by just taking a few deep breaths. Breathe in and breathe out. In these strange and difficult times, it's difficult to find time and space for calm and quiet. This is the place. Breathe in calmness and breathe out stress. Direct your attention to our community and loved ones. You are deeply cherished. Breathe in. And breathe out. This is the community to which we bring our curiosity and our questions. This is the space where we reconnect with the sources of our creativity and joy. Breathe in and breathe out.
this is the space where we can try out new things. Breathe in and breathe out.
Now is the time when we honor our newest members and their decision to join the Washington Ethical Society. Our new members being recognized today have joined us on the panel and we'll meet them in a moment. It is with great joy that we welcome into membership these individuals. We are grateful today for each one of you that you have found your way here and that you have decided to make a commitment to this community. We will send you your certificate of membership, which includes a quote from Felix Adler. Spiritual evolution is the progressive advance of humankind towards a state of things in which the light of ethical perfection shall be reflected from the face of human society. That is, in which all of the people shall live and move and have their being in mutually promoting the highest life of each and all. And attached to that certificate, you'll find an ethical culture symbol pin. And we also have your new member name tags. We hope you wear both with pride and we're proud to have you in our community. Our new members are Maddie Bennett, Great. Jessica Treese, and Keith Bridge. In a community like ours, entrance into the congregation comes not just with a stamp of, from the leadership, but with an embrace from the whole membership. Therefore, I invite everyone now to join us in reading the words of welcome to our new members. The words will be on your screen. Your part is on italics on the bottom half of the screen and Rajesh will lead you. Yeah. We bid you welcome who come with- We bid you welcome who come with weary spirits seeking rest. Who come with- Who come with troubles that are too much with you, who come hurt and afraid. We bid you welcome who come with hope in your heart. Who come with anticipation in your step, who come proud and joyous. We bid you welcome, who are seekers of a new way. Who come to probe and to explore, who come to learn. We bid you welcome, who enter this hall as a homecoming. Who have found here room for your spirit, who find in this people a family. Whoever you are, whatever you are, wherever you are on your journey. We bid, we bid you, you welcome. welcome. Welcome again to our new members and thank you to Maceo, Rajesh and Josh for helping to recognize them. Um, before we move to the platform address, um, we are improvising a bit because uh, we missed about the first page of what we were planning to do this morning. And, I, I, and one of that means we missed one of the pieces that our guest musician, Aaron Hill, had planned. Aaron, would you like to jump in now and introduce yourself and um, share the piece that you had planned for opening music? I sure would. Can you all hear me clearly? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Sweet. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. It's so good to be here with you all today. 
My name is Aaron Hill, as is obvious by the name on the screen and what's been said already. And um, I'm just happy to be here today. I'm really honored to be a part of this experience and I'm honored to take part in molding and shaping this experience. So um, I'm a huge improviser myself. And so that's why one of the reasons why I'm glad to be here today, because I feel like I'm right amongst good company and uh, like minded company. Very familiar. So with that being said, the very first piece uh, was an improvisation uh, of an improvisation. So what I mean by that is I didn't have the piece planned uh, because I like to just flow and just listen to how things are flowing. And then the piece that I wind up playing uh, as I was listening to the words of the reader and he was talking about breathing, I decided to play my original song called Breath of Life. So that's what you just heard there. And I'm going to play another short piece for you right now. And this one is called Yellows of Spring. And this is meant to bring about the same sense of serenity. So I hope you appreciate it.
Thank you. Thank you so much, Aaron. That was really beautiful. So today's platform address is a combination of things. I have a few prepared remarks to share, and then I'd like to address some of the questions that you submitted in advance through the online form that you saw in news and notes. It's a different way of doing the address, not something we're gonna do every week, but I thought today called for something different. When I was in sixth grade, I started taking cello lessons. Now I wanted to play the trumpet or the clarinet, but the music teacher took one look at my teeth and concluded that I was going to need braces imminently and suggested a string instrument instead. So I started learning how to read sheet music and watch the conductor and follow all of the rules that keep the members of an orchestra on the same page. In high school, I picked up a book called Country and Blues Harmonica for the Musically Hopeless. It might've been a birthday present. Uh, and a harmonica came with the book. I didn't think that I was exactly musically hopeless, but even with a few years of some music theory on the side of the orchestra class, there was a lot I didn't know about suspending and resolving chords or bending notes or about making split second decisions in response to other musicians. It was like an entirely other musical language. And though I was still a little jealous of my wind instrument playing friends, I did not abandon the cello in that moment, but stuck with it in my less than perfect way through college. I still have the cello, I don't play it as often. And I also took guitar lessons for a few years after seminary. And throughout my musical education, I learned that there are different ways to collaborate. The tools for collaboration in an orchestra are not exactly the same as those in a string quartet, which are different from those in a drum circle, which are different from, a, from jazz improvisation, which are different from a folk music jam. And there are some things that each kind of group has in common, yet moving from one to the other requires more adaptation than might be obvious. In most orchestras, there's a score that the conductor has and each musician starts with sheet music, even if they have it memorized by the time the concert comes around. Passion matters but there's not a lot of room for individual variation, for instance, on how fast you play or the creative use of dissonance. Your section sticks together and the conductor draws out the best in the orchestra and it's the conductor's decisions that really shape the interpretation of the piece. Whereas in a drum circle, there is less certainty, yet very large groups can still make music together. There might be one recognized leader or the person who provides the foundational beat and sets the tone might trade across the circle. Even with a recognized leader, you don't always know what's going to happen next. Someone might come in with a polyrhythm that you hadn't heard before, and there will be a unique combination of instruments each time. Drummers have some agreements, maybe some unspoken rules about how they will listen to each other, and they improvise in response to what the group is already doing. Similarly, jazz musicians can improvise and can pr produce high quality performances that way because they have traditions and agreements that help them to respond to each other creatively. They might start with a recognized song and do a variation on the theme, or they might come up with something entirely new. It's likely in an ensemble that different musicians will get a chance to lead 
to be the soloists that other musicians support and respond to. Jazz musicians don't need to have a conductor's score, but they still have mutual expectations that help them to stay unified, to create together and come up with a beautiful, coherent sound. Maybe because I started with orchestra, my go-to method with group projects is to do things according to a plan. In my non-musical life, I like it when there's the equivalent of a conductor's score. I like knowing what to expect. I like knowing each person's role and how we're going to work together. I like being able to map out how we're gonna get from the beginning of the project to the end. On the other hand, shared improvisation can be really invigorating and can help develop relationships and communication skills. I'm sure the improv group at West can tell you all about how great this is from an acting and comedy perspective. It's fun to build on each other's ideas and to say yes and figuring out together as we go how we're going to resolve the drum rhythm or the jazz session or the scene is very exciting. I will admit that the improvisational way of working is not my first instinct. It's like speaking a second or third language. It takes concentration and vulnerability and a willingness to make mistakes in front of other people. Those are also some of the qualities that bring personal growth. I have an idea about why shared improvisation is hard for me and it relates to our goals for anti-racism, anti-oppression and multiculturalism. Tema Okun and Kenneth Jones way back in 2001 identified some characteristics of white supremacy culture. The list of characteristics that they named help us figure out when there is an unspoken value system operating among us. Maybe a value system that doesn't serve our mission or that silently benefits some of us more effectively than others. Characteristics like perfectionism, worship of the written word, and the belief there can be only one right way can be an insidious combination when applied in an orchestrated way of working together. And that's not to say that we can never have a plan, just to say that it's important to be aware of what values we're upholding when we're putting a plan in motion. On the other hand, if we're used to operating in ways that reward perfectionism and worship of the written word, our whole routine comes crashing down when we're put in a situation of shared improvisation. We can't run off and just be individualistic because shared improvisation asks us to listen and to respond, to experiment and to forgive. Communication happens with tone and body language and familiar riffs not just marks on a page. We need to be attentive and sensitive in ways beyond what may have been expected of us before. In an orchestrated situation, we might spend a lot of time being fearful of making mistakes or feeling like we need to punish people for mistakes. In shared improvisation, we can learn from our mistakes and perhaps even turn them into moments of beauty. Shared improvisation asks us to build trust in a way that perfectionism prevents. I bring all of this up because the situation in which we now find ourselves calls us to creative, loving, justice-centered shared improvisation. We are heartbroken about continued police violence, 
about attacks on voting rights, about climate change that makes hurricanes more frequent and more severe, about a healthcare system that kills people every day with its race and income-based disparities. The script for responding to these systems of injustice will only take us so far. We need to try new things together, led by the people who are most impacted in a spirit of love and beauty. The pandemic has upended many of our lives so that we don't know what to expect from moment to moment. Just when the schools come up with a plan to help students learn while keeping everyone as safe as possible, something comes along to call that plan into question. For many of us, the way we work, the way we socialize, the way we meet our basic needs has had to change. And for others, the ways of work have not changed enough to protect everyone's health and safety. For this time in our nation's history, we must learn new ways of caring for one another. This chapter in the history of the Washington Ethical Society is also a disruption in the script. The interim period is an opportunity to experiment. The congregation will need to rethink some priorities and some of the ways that things have typically been done. Even if it were not pandemic times, we would have to figure out a lot of things as we go along. I am imagining that there are all kinds of feelings about this need for shared improvisation at this time in the history of Wes, our nation and our world. We might be uncomfortable with the uncertainty, curious about what will happen next, excited to try something new, worried about what might be lost, overwhelmed, numb, happy to let some things go, or a combination of these feelings and more. I hope we will be able to name our feelings and move forward in collaboration. And in that spirit of collaboration, I asked you to send me questions for this platform. There were some great responses and I can't get to all of them right now, but I can answer a representative sample. And the rest I'll share in an upcoming blog post and or in one of my Wednesday Wondering YouTube episodes. First question, why is it so important that we actively speak out against police violence in all forms of racism and discrimination? Why is it essential that we work for justice for all? Great question. I appreciate that all West members, I appreciate all that West members are doing to provide public witness and to advocate for change when it comes to police accountability and dismantling white supremacy. Thank you to everyone who has been to a Black Lives Matter vigil on Fridays at 5 p.m. Sue Jacobson can tell you more about that. Thank you to everyone who has marched. Thank you to everyone who has contacted legislators or encouraged people to vote or donated to an organization working for justice. It is my impression that ethics as a collective concern is woven into the fabric of ethical culture. We do want to draw out the best in each other as individuals and draw out the best in ourselves. And we know that none of us can be who we ought to be when we're caught up in larger systems of oppression. We are not individuals in a vacuum. Cornell West says that justice is what love looks like in public. I'd like to think that we are rooted in love and moved 
in our hearts by that love to uproot racism in our own minds, in the institutions where we have leverage, and in the society we share. I don't think the importance of justice work is in doubt. What we might examine during this interim time is how we collaborate on justice work and are on our internal anti-racism work at WES. We might talk about how the lay leaders who work on different issues can find synergy. And I hope we'll be able to talk about how organizing and publicizing and interfaith relationship building are shared between the clergy leader and the members. I'm sure we'll return to themes of justice and compassion throughout our time together. Another collaborator asks, have you ever served as a leader, interim or otherwise, for UU or ethical societies? Yes. This is my fourth intentional interim and the sixth congregation or society I have served, not counting my internship or lay leadership. I have also done nonprofit work and counseling field work. In my career as a professional clergy person, I've mainly served UU congregations. I've known about ethical culture for a long time and I've admired it from afar and I'm eager to learn more. I have not served in leadership in an ethical culture society before this one, but even if I had, I wouldn't know what ethical culture means to you individually or as a group. I hope that part of my process of learning will also draw out your own reflections of what this tradition means to you and how you hope to express it together in the future. Here's another. What can all of us at West do to ensure our interim period readies the community for our next senior leader? How will we know when we're prepared? Every organization or congregation or society is constantly in development. No society is ever finished, just like none of us is ever finished growing as a person. I don't think there is a picture of perfection that you have to look like before you're ready to welcome your next long-term clergy leader. That being said, all things are relatives and they're relative, and there are things we can do together so that you have more readiness for your unfolding future as a society and for a fruitful relationship with your next appointed leader. To the best of your ability, participate in the interim process. Come to a cottage meeting. The first one is this coming Tuesday. Based on what the transition team and I learn at these meetings, we'll plan other research projects and events. In my last platform address, I talked about using the interim focus points of heritage, leadership, mission, connections, and future. We'll look for ways to reflect together on each of those areas. Some of them you're already working on. When the Community Relations Committee asks you to learn skills that will help you to keep your community relations packed, you're doing interim work that will help you get ready for your next transition. When the board asks for your input on reviewing the mission statement, that's interim work. When we come together as lay leaders and staff and friends, to find synergy in our interfaith organizing and partnerships with regional justice organizations, that's interim work. What each person can do is to stay present, breathe through the surprises, and let's find space for creativity. Be willing to experiment. Appreciate other members as you see them doing their best for Wes's future. Here's a big question. 
given that changes will always happen and that they will often be both rapid and unprecedented, what are, in your opinion, are one or two bedrock foundations as a community such as West needs to stay both stable and engaged while navigating those changes? Do those foundations also need to change over time? This is a big question and we'll come back to it, but briefly. To provide some stability, we'll want to articulate a sense of mission and measure what we're trying to achieve against that mission. The mission of creating places where we can learn and practice how to be better people and to influence the world to be a better place for all people to thrive is a deep value. That's pretty stable. What it means to be a good person changes as we come to new understandings. Gender equity was perhaps not as important for ethical culture in 1876 as it is today. So we'll wanna be open to some reflection because we might be subconsciously carrying around ways of measuring or conceptualizing ethical behavior or theories of justice that don't match what we know today. Through all of that, we want to hold the way we do things more lightly than we hold our deepest values. If there is something we are not willing to put on the table, preserving that thing becomes de facto the mission at the expense of the values that you have agreed are more important. Our drive to learn, grow, and create a better world is more important than any one technique we're using to achieve those ends. I think the bedrock foundations are things like care and respect. We will have good-hearted disagreements and we'll do some, some experimenting. Let's engage with those challenges as the best people we can be. Another questioner asks, how will Wes encourage and listen to voices from members who have been disappointed with the previous leadership? One of the five focus points of the interim time is heritage. And we might rephrase this focus point as claiming, honoring, and coming to terms with the past. That doesn't mean we're going to arrive at a single story that everyone agrees is true and factual. I hope it does mean that we'll have a chance to talk about how things came to be the way they are, how people feel about those events, what parts of Wes's history remain unspoken, and what you can learn from the past that will equip you for your shared future. This isn't work for the board to do alone or for me to do alone or for any single group or person to carry on behalf of Wes. We're aiming to communicate in healthy ways so this can be a shared project. In our cottage meetings, I'll ask you what you love and treasure about Wes and what you hope for the future. I suspect that those who are processing a recent or deep disappointment will bring that to bear. Whatever happened wouldn't have bothered you if it weren't for something you love at Wes that you thought was injured or lost or for a future goal that you felt was deferred as a result of what happened. There will be space to share with me or the transition team about the event that troubled you. We'll build toward the future by highlighting out of those stories the things that members love and value and hope for, because those are the motivating factors. It may be that members can find ways of reconciling if the difficulty is between people who are still at West. And it may be 
that will need to find other ways to heal. I hope that West members will be able to address the past with direct, respectful conversation that affirms each person's worth and leaves room for forgiveness. Here's a practical question. I understand that in-person services probably won't happen until next year, probably in the spring. What criteria has to be met before this can happen? Does West have its own criteria or will it be based solely on government recommendations? We are definitely keeping platform services online through May. The process of planning a return to in-person services will be a long one, and it is a better use of our staff and volunteer time to stick with one plan while we figure out what that return might look like, rather than popping back and forth between online and in-person as the virus increases and recedes in waves. Our COVID response is mainly staff-led at this point with assistance and guidance from a team of board members. When we resume having at least some of us in person for Sunday platform services, our plan for how we do that will be based on DC guidelines, the recommendations of the AEU and the UUA, the recommendations of our insurance company, and by what we feel we can reasonably accomplish given our volunteer base and resources. Since being online, we have suddenly become more accessible to people who would have enjoyed being deeply involved in WES all along. And I think it behooves us to figure out how to return to in-person services in a way that doesn't abandon the people who were able to participate because we've put energy into online operations. I know that doesn't give a definite answer in terms of phases and numbers, but I hope that helps with understanding some of what we'll consider as our plans develop. Last question for now. How does a congregation get over their previous leader? How do they let go of that beloved leader in a healthy way? Meaning without wanting to replace her exactly. It is really hard to say goodbye to a long-term clergy leader. For those who didn't grow up in a congregational context and who've joined Wes in the last 12 years, it may be even harder to imagine what another senior leader could be like. Some of what we'll be doing in the next two years is reflecting on who you are as Wes, apart from the previous leadership. Ideally, you'll build towards stronger, a stronger sense of identity and mission and have some ideas about where you would like to go next. The search committee will take that into consideration as they look at the skills and interests of candidates for the senior leader position, because you want someone who is a good fit for where you are going, even if that's different from where you have been recently. As you claim and honor your past, you can appreciate all over again what you and Amanda accomplished together, and you can give those memories appropriate weight in relation to what comes next. Well, there were a lot of great questions in the box, but I don't wanna keep you too long. So I will answer the rest in future blog posts and YouTube recordings. Thank you to those who submitted questions. You are co-creators of this platform address. I look forward to hearing more from members in the cottage meetings and beyond. After some reflection music, we're going to open up the chat for community sharing. One of the things I've already heard since arriving is that there is an interest and drawing out more personal experiences and thoughtful responses during the community sharing time. Two weeks ago, we tried doing that with a framing question and it seemed to work quite well. Now, if you have something else to say not related to the question, that's also fine.
Think of it as a writing prompt and you can take it or leave it. But here's the question. What helps you to be curious and ready to support shared creativity? Think back to times when you have helped make something happen together with other people at WES or in an artistic project or in movement building and justice making. Think of a time when there was uncertainty, but there was also room for collaborative leadership. What helps you to be ready for that kind of shared improvisation? So let's contemplate, rest, and reflect as we experience the beauty of Aaron Hill's musical response. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, and before I go forward, so this is a Facebook post that I just put up. Lynn Cox is so crushing this talk on improvisation this morning. She just became one of my favorite thinkers and speakers. I really honor you. That was absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, we have a lot of conversations to have. So before I go into this next song, I just want to kind of give a prelude as to what this song is. In 2000, between 2011 and 2012, I was going through a transition in life as we do all the time. And I was, it was a beautiful place of growth, beautiful place of just going deeper, researching, just all kinds of stuff. And so out of this transition came a song and this song is entitled Home. And there are three melodies uh, to this song that you'll hear when I play it. And they really correspond to what I was going through in that transition and me just thinking about life in general. The first melody is based around the concept of the whys in life, the questions that we have. You know, why, why am I here? What is my purpose? What do I like? What do I dislike? And why? Um, the second melody is about going out to experience something. Because in order to find out the answers of that, we have to have experiences. And so we do experience and then the third reoccurring melody that you'll hear the most is representative of when you find your place at home, when you settle in and find yourself at that particular level. The beautiful thing about this is that we never stop doing this. So this is just to represent that place on the journey, because as soon as you get there, then you're moving to that next place um, of self-awareness and self-actualization. So. This is home and this is available on my newest project uh, key reflections as well as a project I recorded the other day called the serenade volume 12.
Thank you. Thank you so much, Aaron. That was gorgeous. I just got lost in the music. Fortunately, I kept my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Namaste. I appreciate you. Thank you. Well, this is the time when we add our own voices to this morning, sharing our reflections on the platform and what resonates in our own lives. You may consider the question that Lynn posed to us. What helps you to be curious and ready to support shared creativity? I invite you to share in the Zoom chat or Facebook comments. In fact, I noticed that some people have already started responding and it's really, really interesting and, and some very, very thoughtful comments. So I'm just going to read some of them as, as they Zoom past me. Uh, so Karen says, I'm most excited to experiment when I have confidence that a wide variety of voices will be brought into the collaboration. I seek to learn from and to be enriched by the multiplicity of perspectives and experiences. Um, Katrina says, I wonder how Stone Soup and Winter Festival are going to work this year. Uh, we sit in Zoom call with a bowl of canned soup and maybe still sing that Thanksgiving Day song out of irony, Zoom pea spiral. Uh, someone go pull the banners in an empty main hall. And then she says, shrug. Um, uh, Josh, I'm eager to experiment when I feel like all perspectives will be treated with respect. Uh, that's similar to what Karen said, regardless of whether or not there's agreement. And, um, and then Abby says, Aaron, your music has brought so much to my experience this morning. Um, Jeff uh, responded to Katrina and said, hey, you know, Stone Soup and uh, Winter Festival might be postponed until next year. Um, the, uh, uh, Nancy says, I like it when someone can challenge my assumptions and take me out of my comfort zone without making me feel like I'm under attack or disagreeing without being disagreeable as uh, etiquette, <laughs> as etiquette would have said. Um, Maceo, join us for coffee after this. Look to our website under calendar, uh, um, uh, under news, ethicalsociety.org. The link will be shared too shortly. Sharon says, yes, there is a Wes improv group. Through spontaneous games and creative role play, we will collaborate to build relationships and say yes to each other's offers. Email S-N-E-U-W-I-R-T at icloud.com. If you have any questions, just show up to play. Put this on your calendar before you forget. Thursdays, 8 to 9 p.m. at tiny.cc forward stroke Wes Improv. From Hunter and Mierka, I feel that Pinterest and Ravelry are great examples of shared creativity. So many visualized ideas for exploring food and craft from around the country and the world. Crowdsourcing leads to connection and wonderful results. This is Mierka. Peter, uh, sometimes a joint effort is engaged with a set of people, all of whom have significant skill in the endeavor. In this case, it may be that there is some expectation of quality of improvisation, but when all contributors have similar skill, then all their contributions are welcomed. This can be what happens with improvisation by professional musicians. Perry says, it helps me when I'm confident that the group's goal can be achieved and when I feel that there's mutual trust in the group. 
So many more. Sarah, I like a no-holds-barred kind of Then we can pull gems almost always by acclamation in my experience. I don't like it when we're too worried about who or what will be offended by our improvisations. We can always edit later. Well, I'm sure there is much more conversation to come and I would invite everybody to the coffee hour after this uh, to continue the conversation and to keep sharing as we go forward. Invitation now to you, just as we share our perspectives in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at West, half of the Sunday collection goes towards supporting the mission and activities of this congregation, and half of undesignated donations are shared with a program whose values resonate with our own ethical culture principles. Both are important, especially as Wes and all our community partners are transforming to meet the needs and challenges in the current chapter of our history. This month, we're sharing a plate with Congregation Action Network, and Omar Perez will tell us about all their good work. Thank you. Thanks so much. I am very glad to be um, participating with this beautiful community. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Omar Angel Perez. I'm um, an immigrant from the state of Oaxaca, Mexico, and I have the opportunity to work um, with you all and um, supporting the immigrant community in the DMV area. Um, through the Congregation National Network, which is an organizing project for Faith in Action, which is a national based, uh, faith based organization. Um, the Congregation National Network started with uh, a specific goal of um, stopping deportations um, and stopping the separation of families in our area as a part of a larger strategy um, at Faith in Action. And we started in 2017 um, doing this work. And since then we moved from providing accompaniment to individuals and uh, uh, supporting families targeted by ICE to um, fight against the expansion of detention centers in our area. Uh, there was an intention last year to, from DHS to expand the capacity to continue supporting families by opening three detention centers in our area, one in Baltimore, one in um, here in DC and, and one in Northern Virginia. Um, in total, they were looking to detain at least um, 1,400 individuals. Um, half of them were uh, minors. Um, <clears throat> we also, um, following the lead of our um, directly impacted uh, members, uh, created a rapid response and an emergency fund um, in, to support families in this new crisis, uh, responding to the um, COVID-19 crisis. And today we have supported more than 200 families, thanks to uh, our members like um, West members who have been collaborating with us, being part of our campaigns, and um, donating to continue supporting these families. Um, it, we also have uh, leaders in Sanctuary. We had a group of 
uh, congregations who decided to become physical sanctuary and in that way protect uh, our families. Um, we have been very actively participating on Rosa's campaign. Rosa was in sanctuary for more than 18 months uh, at Cedar Land in Bethesda. And um, Rosa now is free. Um, after 18 months of work, um, we were able to get ICE to approve her stay or removal. Now Rosa uh, became a very active advocate for um, other people who is in sanctuary. Just last week, we, um, Rosa organized a visit to Maria Chavalan, who is in sanctuary in Charlottesville. And uh, it was a, a very powerful moment for Rosa to bring her message and visit Maria in sanctuary. And it was for the first time that these two leaders met in person. Uh, Maria has been in sanctuary for more than two years now. Um, <clears throat> so with your support, and we support our congregations, we continue doing this work. And especially in this moment, we um, are in our sanctity because we don't know what's gonna happen after the elections, but we are preparing to uh, whatever scenario we'll face after the elections. We are in the middle of a listening campaign, um, not only in the living area, but also as part of it in action um, in other parts of the, of the country. Um, well, we're listening from direct impacted families and individuals to work on a plan to not only support but raise the voices of those that have been directly targeted by ICE, by this administration. And we are hoping to, um, not hoping, we are organizing a public event. We're going to invite you to, to this event sometimes at the end of September or the beginning of October, where we're going to share the platform um, and what the plan is. Um, and responding to the concerns of our community. So again, I, um, I very appreciate you inviting me. I'm very thankful for having Wes as part of a network. And uh, there is a, a, a group of members of Wes who've been co-leading and leading um, part of our campaigns, our work, and very involved in the sanctuary that we're doing. And we hope to continue um, counting on you to um, continue doing this work for um, a better future for everybody here in, 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 in this country, in our country. Thank you. Thank you, Omar. If you are a visitor this morning, we invite you to be our guest today. We appreciate each person's generous giving as they are able. You'll see uh, that we have a give by text option uh, to the number that is uh, uh, on the screen, 202 335 1882, and you can also make a gift online uh, through the donate button on our website at ethicalsociety.org. We will now receive your gifts and the musician's gift of music. Thank you. I just figured I'd play a little bit of a tune that we were all familiar with to take us on home.
Thank you so much. Thank you so much uh, to everybody who helped create this morning's program uh, and our time together. Our interim leader, uh, Lynn Cox, musician Aaron Hill, who was superb, uh, Maceo Thomas, our membership coordinator, along with board members, uh, Josh Blinder and our new members. Jen Watson uh, created these gorgeous slides. Uh, Robin Kravitz, of course, is masterful at providing our uh, communications support and hosting our coffee hour. And of course, behind all this is the tech magician, John Pfeiffer. Next week, uh, we will hear from Perry Bider and a team of four West members. In honor of Labor Day, they will talk about the meaningful work of their vocations or avocations. Please join us right here at 10.30 on Sunday. And thank you to those who are leading and supporting our work in the week to come. As you will uh, see uh, on the screen, we have several opportunities for West members and friends to check in during the week. There are a variety of support groups as well. A reminder that our weekly 16th Street Vigil continues each Friday from 5 to 6, including sidewalk chalk art for folks of all ages starting at 4.30 p.m. You can find the details of all of these and all other events on our website calendar at ethicalsociety.org. Finally, thank you for being here. I invite you now to sing along at home to our closing song, our song of the summer, of collaboration and co-conspirators led by the West, Cor West Chorus.
so moving. And now I invite you to join me in our closing words. Let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding and commitment, finding and nurturing collaboration in the quest for a better world. I invite you to join the virtual coffee hour where we have a chance to see each other face to face and join smaller breakout groups for a chat. If you're new to our community, please send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, uh, and introduce yourself. Uh, the, um, the, webs the, the URLs are on your screen. Uh, Maceo can be reached at maceot at ethicalsociety.org and at tiny, T-I-N-Y dot C-C forward stroke, Wes Connects. Thank you, everybody. Thanks to Aaron. Um, have a great week, everyone. Um, thanks uh, to everybody again. Uh, just just for, for the, uh, for the uh, in the interest of information, the URL for the coffee hour is http uh, colon forward stroke double tiny dot cc forward stroke west coffee hour. Thank you. Hope to see you soon. <laughs>